Companies mentioned herein are for illustrative purposes only, not intended as solicitation of the purchase of such securities, and do not constitute any investment advice or recommendation. Hello, my name is Ulrich Fugman, and I'm joined by my business partner, Edward Lees, through 22 years. And together, we run BNP Paribas Asset Management's Environmental Strategies Group. We're going to introduce you to a series of executives, all at the top of their field, for companies introducing exciting environmental solutions into the marketplace. You'll learn about their personal motivations, a bit about their companies as well, and we hope you find this informative. So with that in mind, let's meet our guest. I'm delighted to have John Berger here today, the CEO and founder of Sonova, one of the biggest US residential solar companies. And John will be talking to us today about residential solar, what it is, what's motivated John to go into residential solar and, and where the future will take us. So thank you very, very much, John, for being here today and thank you for having me. making the way to London. Thank you. Um, John, could you tell us a bit about just to start with U.S. residential solar, what is it and why is it important? Well, certainly. So U.S. residential solar has gone through a lot of changes and we see a few more changes uh, happening over the next few years and we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Uh, but, but essentially it's, it's putting solar panels uh, on behind the meter on single family homes. Uh, that has now changed where you had more uh, intelligent inverters Sometimes those are strings, sometimes those are optimized by on a per panel basis. Sometimes the inverter, it's what they call a microinverter, is put on the panel itself. Uh, and essentially it generates electricity uh, when there's sunlight. So there's, uh, you know, a lot of people se seem to think that heat is involved and so forth, and that's not true. Uh, it's, you just need some sunlight, even a little bit, uh, including in London here, is enough to, to generate some electricity. And of course, those panels have uh, been getting more efficient and they've been getting a lot cheaper. Uh, so as the power is produced to the homeowner, they're still connected to uh, the respective grid or monopoly. And uh, essentially that monopoly fills in the holes where the load, where you're turning on the, the air conditioner, where you're turning on the stove, whatever it is, and charging your car now. And it, it fills in the holes from where the solar is producing the power for the home. And then when the uh, solar panels and the inverters and the whole system produces so much power that the home doesn't need it, then it's pushing it back into uh, a centralized monopoly system. In the uh, States, we have uh, a very, it used to be somewhat consistent, but now it's become very uh, different, what we call net metering to offset the power generation and from when the uh, uh, generation of the power is so high, it goes back into the utility and then offset it at night when there's not any solar because it's not any light uh, being produced, then the utility gives that back for free, hence net metering. Uh, but you're not selling back to utilities, you're not doing anything like that, like merchant power or anything of that nature. Uh, now with batteries, you don't need to do all that and now you're keeping your, your power there at your house, but most importantly, uh, you have higher reliability than what you can get out of the uh, centralized system, no matter how much money is thrown at uh, that respective monopoly or utility, wherever you want to phrase it. And so the business is changing all the way to the point that we see that uh, we, uh, as, as Sonova, see ourselves as a wireless power company, 
where we can provide with other technologies out there and becomes more intelligent, whether you're adding a generator, a fuel cell, load management, EV charging, all together, is that you can provide maybe all the power uh, that that home needs. And certainly more and more consumers want that because that grid may be down uh, due to climate change impacts, wildfires, hurricanes, typhoons, winter storms where there shouldn't be. A bunch of different things have happened and continue to happen with more frequency. And that customer wants that uh, generation uh, to uh, have the life that they want, what we call as living life uninterrupted. Great, thanks John for that uh, context. It would be uh, real nice to hear a little bit more about you now. Maybe you could tell us a bit about your motivation for starting Sonova and some of the things that Sonova does differently and maybe a bit about how the company aims to have impact. Certainly, so uh, I uh, just a brief uh, background. Uh, I grew up in uh, uh, in Texas, uh, where of course oil and gas is 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 king. Uh, we're changing that. We're changing that. But uh, it, it uh, really got me interested in going the energy business. And so right after I got a civil engineering degree from Texas A&M, I went to Houston and started working in the power business, uh, much to my surprise. And uh, and started trading power, running a, even a utility from the control room at a very early age, uh, and uh, in doing a bunch of different things as far as derivative structuring, look at international markets, new power plants. Uh, so really on the physical and the financial side of things. And I came to realize that uh, the power system we have uh, is pretty archaic. Uh, even you know, you look across not just the United States, but globally, and I truly believe that the energy business, and this is what got me going, is in the 90s, of course, the internet's coming of, of, of age, if you will. And uh, the energy business is, is the, what looks like the last major industry to really join uh, the, the digital age from the industrial age. And I, I thought, you know what? Uh, the world is overdue for a change in energy, and it's overdue for a transportation change as well. If you look at the timelines, over the last uh, millennia or so, we were overdue. And so I wanted to be a part of that change. So I got, in got involved with that, went to business school in Boston, uh, did, did a lot of venture capital, worked for the government, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, started getting involved in venture cap, trying to find the technologies and fell into solar uh, and said, you know what? I think the cost is gonna come down. This is uh, sometime in around in the 2006, 2007, a time period. And uh, so I founded my first solar company. It was a contractor installed solar. And I sold that a couple of years later and then uh, started another business like Sonova. And uh, what we would do is we would have the contractor as a dealer and when then we would go out and own the customer, the contract and the system, which is what Sonova does. And we'd be a service provider, which is exactly what Sonova is. And we would do the financing as an enablement and so forth. Uh, and I sold that business to a big power company very quickly within a first year. So I looked at that as well, that worked and uh, started Sonova in a very late 12, uh, 2012. And uh, we originated our first customer in 2013. I think it's interesting being uh, headquartered, founding the company in Houston. I've got all kinds of stories about having a, a garage uh, apartment really, or a downtown Houston apartment uh, where we founded the company in. And now, of course, it's a multi-billion dollar New York Stock Exchange listed company. So there's a lot of things that we've done, uh, you know, right. Of course, we've also made some mistakes along the way. But I think what we're really changing 
the industry is is looking at it from a pragmatic, uh, practical view about how do you really change the energy business and start uh, in, in, start focusing, if you will, on how do you how do you uh, fundamentally not only change and decarbonize energy, but what would those technologies do in terms of additional services that we can't do today with today's energy technologies, and that is a lot more driven by reliability maybe a lot more flexibility uh, within the home. How do you deal with the electric vehicles uh, you know, being charged up at the homes, which is definitely over 80% of the charging of electric vehicles at the home in the, in the US at least, and I think that's true in Europe. So how do you embrace and take all these technologies and make them work, but yet still understand they have to fit within the centralized system. So we have a vision for uh, the future where the power system of all the countries looks more like the internet, where you have a combination of centralized resources and decentralized resources. You got the intelligence at the endpoints of the system. They can go in on and off the system as, as it's uh, needed because of storms, wildfires, et cetera. Um, but together, it's creating a better solution and like I said, better energy service at a better price. And so that's the vision of the company. Uh, and that's uh, where we are today. That's great. C can I make a suggestion and just tell a story about uh, hurricanes or the, the weather in Texas, you know, some example of that uh, where, where uh, Sonova has played an important role. Certainly. So, and, and this was a, a, really a watershed moment for, for Sonova as a company. Uh, in, in 2017, uh, we had uh, entered Puerto Rico and we really recreated the market for residential solar in Puerto Rico. Uh, to this day, Puerto Rico is a very important part of the company as far as our one of our main service territories. Uh, and that was driven a lot about our view that we were looking around for different areas uh, in the country and the, in, in the United States that for whatever reason, were not given solar service. Uh, and you know, we, we saw Puerto Rico as being one, uh, and really the best example of something that had fundamentals, high uh, energy prices, power prices, uh, very dirty power with oil fire generation and the reliability was terrible. Uh, and we looked at that and said, well, why don't we go in? Now, a lot of the barrier there was Spanish speaking. We're in Houston, Texas. We have a lot of Spanish speakers and we've deliberately hired a lot of folks to this day. A good portion of our contact center is, is uh, bilingual, both Spanish and English. So we enter the market, we start building it out. Very difficult. Uh, we got to fight with the utility and everything else that doesn't like the competition and all that other stuff. Uh, but when uh, in 2017, uh, a, a hurricane came by and just glazed the, the island and the power system went down um, almost completely. They stood it back up relatively quick and then the big one came uh, a few, few days later. It was Hurricane Maria and it devastated the island. We knew what kind of devastation it would uh, wrought because we saw what was happening with, uh, with Irma, which was the hurricane right before it. We got on top of things. It was, um, it really was a, a very much a, a, a lot of a humanitarian disaster, clearly. We didn't know how many of our employees were, 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 were not fine, you know, could have even been killed as, as many were. Uh, thankfully, everybody was fine. We, we, we made sure that that was the case. Uh, we sent in supplies, we sent in materials, new panels, inverters, et cetera, and then worked out a deal with the governor to supply batteries and then have attachment 
of batteries, which were very new technology. We bought all the batteries we could in the entire world, and it wasn't that many. Unfortunately, sent them all to, to Puerto Rico. And then uh, from here on out, we, we I agreed with the governor, uh, we're going to have a battery attached to every single home. And then we're going to go back to our old customers, and we're going to try to upsell them batteries so they can have that reliability. And that really changed the U.S. power uh, business forever. And, and, and I knew it at the time is like, this is really going to get batteries talked about. It's really because people see, okay, this is something that really means something to people. And this technological change means that people can have a better life. And that's what we, that's what this company is all about. So we took, we had that experience that we're, we're, we learned a tremendous amount from the, how to respond to large scale natural disaster. Nobody had ever uh, stood up multi thousands of residential solar systems and repaired them and put them back in service ever in the, in, in the history of the, of the, of the world, which sounds dramatic, but that's what we did. And then when we saw what uh, to go to another event that was more in our backyard, literally the, the freeze, uh, you know, the, Winter storm Uri hitting in February in Texas and going through that and having people understand that they thought, well, it's just Texas. The power always stays on. No, it doesn't. And we came close, very close to system wide, uh, you know, a, a black a blackout basically or drop in the entire system, which has not happened in this country. We've come close a few times, even in my career, but and we came close that time, real, real close. But it didn't happen. But people saw the fragility of the system and looked around, and they're doing that now in, in increasing numbers in Texas. Going, what are we doing? We're using the same technology we've had for, in many cases, over a hundred years. But yet we're we're advancing technology across in telecommunications and medicine. We're doing all these things. Why don't we take the same technology, the digital technologies, solid state technologies, and push them into energy? We can get a lot better. Uh, energy service. And that's what is happening in Texas. People see the need for the change and they're moving and engaging in the change. And then we're looking around and especially in Houston and going, okay, well, we have the oil and gas industry. Why don't we take the new energy industry? We want to run that and, and lead that as well. And that's, uh, that's, that's really, uh, uh, you know, I'm pleased to see that, that, that change in mentality is like, we want, we see the energy business changing. We want to be a part of leading it. So, John, um, one of the opportunities, but also the challenges that you see in the uh, residential solar market as a whole today? Well, there's enormous opportunities in that in the U.S. that we're, we're maybe 4% penetrated uh, from the single-family homes. Um, and, you know, in, in Europe, it varies by country, but the penetration is also, it's, it's ahead in many cases of, of uh, where the U.S. is. But but uh, they're still it's fairly low. Uh, it could be you know low single di uh, double digits. It could be maybe uh, closer to thirty percent or so. But you still have an enormous amount of growth rate left to go, uh, and that's on solar. Now when you take batteries, you take EV charging, you take uh, any sort of like load management, a lot of other new technologies that we're just getting into. Well then you've got a whole lot more uh, growth to go, right? both in, in the States and in Europe and, and in Asia and elsewhere. So we've just gotten started, basically. So there's an enormous amount of opportunity here. There's an enormous amount of opportunity to, to go back to the previous solar customers like we have and upselling batteries and EV charging and 
uh, you know, maybe a generator, maybe a fuel cell. That's another thing we're involved in and trying to get that technology commercialized for residential homeowners across the world. Uh, but uh, the, the challenges are getting people to understand you know, we're here and, and that getting the word out, getting the, get them uh, you know, motivated to call us up or, we, you know, take the phone call or go on the internet, whatever the case may be that they want to do and, and sign up and, and go through that process. I think it's the biggest challenge we have. The other challenge is we have a, a regulatory system, at least in the United States, that's, uh, that's not sustainable for the new technologies. We're going to have to change. And the utilities are going to have to change in a big, big way. Uh, and of course, people don't really like to change very much. Uh, and so the utilities are, are no different than that. And we're going to have to find a way forward that we can say, look, the technology of solar and batteries and these other technologies is fundamentally different. It's decentralized. The, the, the fuel itself for the first time is decentralized. It's the sun. And then you want to take the conversion technology, making it from a BTU, if you will, to a kilowatt hour or a megawatt hour. That's decentralized. It works just as well to have a panel on your rooftop or a bunch of panels on a, a utility scale solar farm way out in the middle of nowhere. It's the same conversion rate. That's different. We've never had that before. If you go back and you look at all the different fuel sources and conversion technologies, steam engines, et cetera, this is different. And so therefore, the business model is going to be completely different. The electric vehicle that we're a part of, you know, do you really want to go off a highway and fill up on, on anything, oil or power? No, no, nobody really wants to do that. They'd love to have their car filled up for them while they're eating where they want to eat, while they're sleeping in the hotel, while they're sleeping in their home. There's a lot of things that we need to do and look at our business and say, let's change it up completely. So that's a great opportunity to say, look, we're not just going to take what we have and, and decarbonize it. There's a lot of other services and other exciting things we can do with new business models that we can go in and address what consumers really want. It's about the individual. It's about the consumer at the end of the day. What do they want? What do they want more out of their lives? And focusing on that, that's the biggest opportunity, but it's also the biggest challenge because you got to go back to those incumbents and going, well, we don't want it that way. We like the way we, the world is right now. And so it's just a, that's a natural. It's with any human. It's with any industry is going undergoing fundamental change like we have now. Uh, but it's uh, two sides of the same coin, if you will, both the opportunity and the challenge. Great. Given some of those dynamics that you've just mentioned that are present today, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what excites you most about the future for your industry and for Sonova. What excites me the most is, is that I think we're on, on the verge of, of changing the energy business materially and, and for good. And I think uh, decarbonization, which is something uh, we mostly talk about but, but also decentralization is, is happening as well. And that decentralization gives us a new services that we can offer con, uh, consumers uh, that we couldn't offer before, higher reliability. Uh, for instance, uh, we're all more familiar with work from anywhere, as I call it, work from home. And now people have a f degree of freedom that we haven't had. Uh, my opinion is, is that uh, we were headed in this direction anyways. The pandemic accelerated that. And therefore, the pandemic is accelerating the ch in my business as well. Uh, because when you're sitting at the house and you are on the video camera, uh, whatever that is, Zoom, uh, Teams, or whatever, the thing you have to have is connectivity and uh, power. 
So if power's going out, you can't you can't uh, you can't live. You can't work. You can't live uh, where, or work where you want to live. And uh, and so something when you look at the changes of the energy business, it, we're going to enable a lot of other changes in, in other people's lives uh, and consumers' lives. So I think that's that's very very exciting. Of course, the biggest one is is that we're addressing climate change, that we're a part of the solution, uh, that we are pushing forward and saying, look, what we want you to be able to do is is live your life even better, not make sacrifices. Because I don't think people really, and uh, and when you look across the world, are really gonna make a lot of sacrifices just to, just for uh, sake of climate change. Should they? Yeah, I think they should. Are they? I don't think so. I think just being practical about that. So this is where technology, this is where Sonova comes in and says, we're going out to the entire world. We're going to pick the best technologies and we're going to in integrate them. And then we're going to back them up with service. And we're going to make sure that service is something that fits your life. And when your power's out, you're not waiting 48 days to, to never to get it fixed. You want it fixed five minutes ago. So we're accelerating that service, that repair, because things happen and you've got lot, a lot of different technologies on the home. You've got a battery, you've got inverter, you've got panels, you've got conduit, you've got fuses. You've got a lot of different things that are going on and more and more are showing up, which is great. That's fantastic. But that means more failure points, more things that go wrong, more finger pointing back and forth. If it was individual installers and so forth. And we're, we're putting all that together and saying, We'll stand behind it. We are the wireless power company and we'll be there for you and make sure the power flows. And then you can live your life the way you want to live. Uh, and we call that living life uninterrupted or powering energy independence. Uh, and that's what we want. And that's what we think uh, we're providing the world. And as technologies continue to change, we'll be able to add even more to that. And then as we change our service levels and make them even better and better and, and quicker and quicker, then I think that a lot more people will refer their family and friends, and then hopefully we can start spreading to different countries, which I think is uh, interesting in that I don't think this is a U.S. desire. This is a global desire. This is a global business model that more and more of the countries are going to and saying, this is what we want. We want a residential service providing model that can give not only decarbonization, which is where we all started, but that decentralization as well provide that additional service, that better service uh, to consumers globally. John, on the point of decentralization, could you talk a bit more about the role of households in generating energy? Uh, there's a concept of microgrids. Could you talk a bit about that? Certainly. I think uh, from the very beginning, I found that taking a rooftop, whether that was on a warehouse or a big uh, industrial building or commercial or, or, or residential rooftop would be utilizing something that was not being utilized before. So it's fine to do the utility scale projects and, and to put the clear the land and try to maybe have some usage of the land underneath the panels and so forth. But, but by and large, really claiming that land for, for, for generation of, of solar power, that's fine. But it also leads to other issues as far as what else could you do with that land? How expensive is that land? Are there any environmental impacts on that land? A little hard to come up with an environmental impact on a rooftop. You've already made the environmental uh, impact by building the structure in the first place. So this is a more intelligent usage 
from an environmental standpoint, but from an economic standpoint as well, because that roof is already there. Now, you may need to uh, redo the roof uh, because you have a long-lived asset like solar uh, panels and system that's going to go on the roof, and we do that. And we look uh, more and more about how do we do a better job of identifying that a rooftop could be replaced before we do the installation of the panels. But I, I think that you know when you look at behind the meter, it's a much more, in terms of solar behind the meter, it's a much more intelligent use both environmentally and economically uh, than, than doing so on the utility scale side. However, both are needed, to be clear about it. Both are needed. But I think that's a real exciting uh, part of the industry that the residential rooftop you know, solar industry uh, can provide. The other thing is, is that that is fuel for batteries. And batteries are going to give you that reliability at home that we've talked about of how you live your life un, uh, uninterrupted, how you can do what you want to do, how it gives you more uh, capabilities in life. Like, for instance, EV uh, charging. It's, this is a big problem because you're going to have neighborhoods, and we're already starting to see this, where everybody's getting at least one EV. Um, I already have two now. I have, I have four kids, so that should you know, I'm going to get a third one. But how do you handle that charging? Well, the utilities say we've got to put a lot of money and we've got to upgrade the system. Well, in many cases, what they don't say is that's not possible. That's not practical economically and so forth. There's a better way of doing this economically and faster. And that's really key. And that is going back in and putting the storage there, making the generation there with the load, which is the home, which is the EV. And that is going to make the system more robust, resilient. So having a combination of things, of centralized power and decentralized power, is the most environmentally efficient way of going, the most economically efficient way of going, and the most time efficient way of going about making this transition together. Now, part of what could happen is, is that you have what we call microgrids could form. So maybe a, a, a way of looking at this, uh, we have a partner in Lennar, which is the, the country's, the United States' uh, largest home builder. Uh, we bought a business from them earlier in the year, and they're looking at how do you take master plan communities and maybe you connect them to the grid, maybe you don't in terms of the monopoly system, but how do you make that, that, that master plan community, that new community, how do you make that more resilient? How do you make it more clean, environmentally friendly, addressing what consumers want? And that's where I think we can get into having all the homes plus common areas, maybe some of the commercial, the stores, the coffee shops and so forth that you go to work together, be much more decentralized. So that when something happens like winter storm, Uri, I heard another hurricane, which is going to happen. We just don't know when all that means that the community itself is, is better. It's more resilient. It's, it's, it's serving the needs of, of the homeowners and the members of that community. And I, I think we're going to go there very, very quickly. And you know what? That's almost, uh, if you understand the history, especially the U.S. power system, it's not ever been this master planned you know, grid system. First of all, we don't have a grid system in, in the United States. It's multiple types of grids. And what happened was there was entrepreneurs in early days, call it over 100 years ago, that would basically form these, quote, utilities and run wires to different homes and businesses. And then they started getting up into the, the large transmission lines and they'd throw lines back and forth to each other if the CEOs liked each other. If they didn't, they didn't. And it became this hodgepodge that we have today. And so this is a bit of a back to future. It says, well, maybe we should create these 
microgrids or these mini utility systems that are more resilient and then maybe we connect them, which I think we should, or maybe we don't. Maybe, maybe there's not a reason to connect them or it's not economically efficient to connect them, whatever the case may be, but it gives more optionality and more flexibility to the power delivery system in, in, in the United States. And I think that spreads to other countries as well. So it's, uh, we'll see where it goes, but I think there's a lot of exciting uh, opportunities and, and options available to us with these new technologies. John, that's a really exciting idea, linking together decentralized energy sources into uh, combined networks and the sort of resilience that can offer us in the future. Uh, I've heard about this sometimes referred to as virtual power plants. You know, it must be kind of tricky, must be a lot of software that are involved in this. I'd love to hear a bit uh, about your view and what Sonova is doing in this area. Certainly, so Sonova is essentially uh, services software aggregation. Uh, and so if you, if you have those three and you can look to see back in our uh, publicly available materials, We've talked about um, those three being the tenets of the underpinnings of the company as far as our strategy. Uh, and then when you look at the, the, the software side of things, we're actually a very, very big software company. Uh, we probably should do a better job of communicating that out and saying, look, look at all these different software pieces that we're not only uh, you know, designing, innovating, but also tying together. And then importantly, tying other people and other companies' software into our platform. And you're gonna see more and more of that. A great example of this is the ChargePoint uh, you know, partnership. They have a software platform that's integrated with all the OE, auto OEMs and other EV charging networks out there. Uh, so an EVgo and so forth that's in, in the United States. And what we're able to do is tie into that software ne uh, network or platform with our software platform and be able to provide uh, services to the cu uh, customer, not only at their home, but elsewhere as well. Uh, so as they drive their vehicle uh, elsewhere, you'll be able to charge their, their power usage back into uh, Sonova. So I think these are innovative type thoughts about how you take your, your software team, which is now one of the largest in the industry in terms of what Sonova has, and, and then design and continue to innovate on the software side of things. Part of it is when you go and look at how do you tie things together is when you look at virtual power plants, we have some software, but we'll also be uh, tying and, and are in the process of doing that. Other uh, companies' software pieces uh, together. Uh, we collaborate, partner with other uh, folks that may have only the grid soft, uh, virtual power plant software uh, as what they do, and then utilize that and, and kind of think of it as a, some people call it hub and spoke type software platform for the industry. I call it a patchwork quilt because you're patching all these different software platforms together. But I do think over time, we're gonna see this uh, as a software platform for grid services or, or VPPs as we call them, uh, come together and really be something that's uh, wide ranging, but what also can take in any equipment. It's not going to be specific to a one equipment manufacturer or another. And that's where the industry wants it to go. That's where the utilities or the independent system operators, regional transmission organizations, they all say, look, I, I need to be able to operate Teslas and Generax and Enphase and SolarEdge and all the other different technologies. And there's so many different equipment providers and more are coming. Literally almost every month more are showing up. 
uh, from Asia, from Europe and so forth and coming into the US market. So when you look at all that, you wanna have the ability to have a platform that is that can take all of those different technologies and then give them the right kind of capabilities uh, to the service providers who then in turn are working with the utilities and the regional transmission organizations or ISOs to say, what do you need? Most of the time what they need are three different things. One, they need capacity. What does that mean? That means that as strange as it sounds, utilities have been taking all of these you know, gigawatts of power and that behind the meter on, on solar on people's homes and now the batteries too and not counting it, not counting them. That's crazy. Well, they don't have the, uh, really the way of doing that. And so now that we're moving forward, they're finding ways to do that and saying, look, what I need is I need you to send me the information that those batteries and solar systems are working and that they'll be there when the grid really, when we really need it. Uh, in terms of when something's happened to our generation resources or demand has gone way up because of a winter uh, you know, storm or, or some other event, it's really hot outside, whatever it may be. And so we're taking that software and in, in, engaging those uh, utilities and those regional transmission organizations and saying, here are the assets, you can point to them. These will work when your system or your resources will not work. The second one is energy. Most people think about that as we can provide energy into the monopoly of the grid system. Again, utilities or regional transmission organizations. And so that's starting to really kind of gain a foothold as well as like, okay, so I could count on these resources to deliver energy, not only to the, to the home where they may be on, but to other uh, folks that are on the grid as well that uh, again, they need those resources. The last is what they call ancillary services. This is to basically take centralized resources, which need to be balanced much more so than decentralized resources for just the physical reasons and be able to provide things uh, that there's a variety of different ancillary services, spinning reserves, a bunch of different things, voltage stability uh, service, a bunch of these things that basically make the entire grid work. It's not just providing the raw energy. There's a lot more that goes into it. And it's pretty complicated on the physics side and everything else, but trust me, it's definitely necessary. Uh, but it's a smaller opportunity just given uh, by definition of, of when you look at those three services to be able to provide. So as we uh, look at, and I think the simple way of looking at this is uh, when you look, talk, when people start talking about VPP, you'll hear that virtual power plant. When they start talking about grid services, what their meaning is, is that they're going to, is basically the way that utilities and RTOs and ISOs uh, come together and say, look, this is how we're gonna integrate decentralized resources and centralized resources. That's a simple way of looking at it, is how do you get to that internet of the power system? And this is the pathway and the best way that uh, they can verbalize that need and that, that path to get that integration of decentralized and centralized resources. That's, uh, that's great, John. Thanks very much. Now, the last question I'd love to ask you for today is what role do you think asset managers as a whole can play in the fight against climate change and, you know, through environmental solutions companies like yourselves? Well, I think uh, without the, the asset management community, uh, this is not going to happen in terms of change isn't going to happen. Uh, you have to make a conscious decision uh, to invest in new companies, companies that are bringing the innovations 
to the marketplace. Without the capital, I think this is self, uh, but without the capital, we couldn't do anything at Sonova. And we certainly have uh, enjoyed and, and, and needed to build relationships uh, such as uh, with, you, with you all uh, to, to go out there and find the capital because it takes so much. This is the cap energy is a capital intensive industry and bring that capital into the company and then of course use it efficiently and wisely uh, to uh, forward um, our, our business plan and to uh, uh, change and, and decarbonize the energy industry and to uh, change the energy industry to make it more, uh, you know, what consumers need and what they want with the new technologies. I think that uh, asking the right questions as an asset manager and a portfolio manager uh, is really helpful. It, it's, it's very helpful for me to have these types of conversations because there's a lot of things that I can pick up in the conversation and in the questions that are very helpful in gathering all the, a lot of the different viewpoints from the marketplace, from other asset managers, and, and gives me a stress test on some of the strategies that we're putting forth or we're thinking about doing. And I think that's incredibly helpful when you couple that with what's going on in the field. What, are the cons what does the customer want or the potential customer want? What is, what is the, uh, the labor want as far as like for us, it's, it's dealers, right? What is possible on the technology side versus, eh, it's, it sounds great, but it's not here yet. Um, there's a lot of things out there that uh, you know, could be happening uh, might happen, but there's a, there's very few that actually will happen at the end of the day. And I think having the conversations with the asset managers and the portfolio managers across a wide swath is particularly those that that really do their homework. They're involved in the industry, like like uh, like BNP Paribas. I think that's very very helpful to make sure we're going down the right paths and make sure that we're making the difference that we that we want to make in, in the marketplace. Um, part of this is also incumbent upon uh, the asset managers, portfolio managers, to really say, don't just go pick a de facto uh, success story and just buy the stock. I mean, maybe you do that, and that's, that, that's also part of success, right? But what is it that's really going to bring about multiple companies that are all fighting and, and trying to get the right ideas, fighting for the, cons for the customer, going out there and making things happen? Because... You know, even those that, that are global leaders in this have said, I cannot do this alone. I need other companies to come in and, and make this happen. I will say that again. We, we need other companies. We even need competitors. Competition's a good thing. It's a great thing. We want to, it, that's why we want to have more choices in power, not just to have the utility or monopoly there. We want more choices, more competition. We can't do that if everybody just goes and buys the, the, the de facto stock out there that doesn't help anybody these are new ideas there's a lot of ideas that are not going to come forth in government i don't care what government it is at the local state federal level in the united states or multiple other uh countries government and that's the beauty of the marketplace that's the beauty of what what we see out there and what we need help uh, help in is making sure there's multiple companies out there some will fail some will succeed some are great ideas some are not great ideas the marketplace is the best way to sort all this out versus an edict from one government agency. And what you can do is you can go out there and you can do a lot of hard work, which I know you all do, and you can go out there and try to find 
And you're not going to hit every one of them, and that's okay. That's a part of this. But when you're out there looking for all these new companies and you're providing capital to these new companies, then innovation is going to quicken. And you've already seen some of that over the last 24, maybe 18 months uh, globally. And I think that we're just on the cusp of that. This is going to blow wide open as far as the energy transition, new energy, whatever you want to call it. And having that capital that's worked hard to try to find something that's unique, that's different, that maybe not everybody sees out there, and backing that company and making sure that that capital stays available, not just a one-time deal, but it's always coming back. And you're, you're listening to the company, but you're also providing critiques to the company and, and ideas to the company. I certainly get a lot from, from, uh, from you all. That is very helpful and at the end of the day is necessary for us to meet our climate change objectives and to change the world of energy. Thank you, John, so much for coming in today to spend time with us, uh, to talk to us and our audience uh, about uh, yourself, about the industry, and of course, about your company and all the important work that you're doing. So thank you very much again. Thanks for having me. Thank you, John. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.